Hi, this is Dave Olson. I'm the senior leader of Heartland Church located in Ankeny, Iowa. I hope the following message challenges, encourages, and ultimately changes you. Thanks for joining us. I so appreciate Pastor Adam. How many of you guys appreciate Pastor Adam? Yeah. I'm glad to see your wife clapping. She, yeah. yeah. But uh, yeah, he did a great job, and, and I, I had people sending me pictures. Jakarta's 12 hours ahead, so uh, about, about 11 o'clock, 12 o'clock, midnight, I started getting pictures uh, of, of the pile of shoes, but I so appreciate his message, and, and I, I wrote him and just said, man, I, I appreciate, just, you know, you, my heart's at ease, man, things taken care of back home, and uh, so it was a good message, and it, and it was a relevant message to where we're at. I really do believe that there's a prophetic element uh, to what Adam was preaching about. Uh, there's some fresh things that God's doing. I don't know if you've looked around, uh, but Heartland's growing. And uh, a lot of new families. Uh, you know, usually in the summer things dip, and, and during the summer we continue to grow. And uh, that's a good thing. Uh, there are several times in the last, num- last several months where we've almost maxed out our parking and uh, that, that's not a good thing. Well, it's a good thing, but not a good thing, you know. And uh, we've maxed out the two-year-old room uh, nursery in August. And so there, there's elements that we're at capacity. Uh, matter of fact, in this room, there's about, I think, 560 chairs. And uh, the, 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 the wise gurus of church growth, especially in the Midwest, they say when you're about 75% full, uh, you're full. And so people, people look for a place to sit and they, they like a little bit of room. We're, we're used to room in the Midwest. Now you go to Jakarta, everything's cramped. Uh, but in the Midwest, we're used to some room. And so uh, things are, are filling up. And So I say all that to say this. Uh, we're going to add a second service to Heartland. And so, yeah. So we're going to... We're going to add another Sunday morning service. Uh, it's on October 22nd. We're going to go to an 8:30 to 10, and 10:30 to noon. And uh, yeah, we haven't we haven't done that in a number of years, but it's time for us to do that. And so, uh, this is a good thing. This is exciting. God, God, uh, we don't want to turn people away. And and uh, we're cramped in the children's area. We're cramped out in the parking. And so we're going, to have to, we're going to have to make some room. We don't want to turn people away. That would be a crime. Uh, but what that means for those of us who are already here, it's going to be a heavier lift. Uh, you know, so those of, those of us who are already part of the Heartland family, that means we're going to have to step up and serve more. And uh, so I want to encourage you. There's, there's places where you can serve. There's needs. There's holes, holes in the wall that need to be filled. And uh, so... We have a survey that we want to give you because we, we really want to, uh, we want to pick some people's brains. We want to know what service that you would anticipate uh, attending. Uh, you know, 20, well, about 18 years ago, we added a service, then we added a third service back in our own building, and uh, things were different back then in, in uh, the lay of the land culturally, and so uh, we're just trying to discern what, what's going to be, what are the, the service attendants going to be like. So the QR code up there, I'm going to ask you right now to get your phone out, fire off that QR code. If you do not have a phone that can w- do the QR code thing, you might want to be, be one of those old-fashioned people that take out your flip phone, or you might even have a brick that you have. If you have one of those, I want to see it, just for curiosity. But... So if you have that, we, we do have questionnaires in the atrium. We can help you do that. Uh, but we really want get, to get a read of the congregation and, and I really get our finger on the pulse. Uh, I know years ago when we first added a second service, we, we ended up recruiting people for different services. And, uh, and that worked well. And, and God, God helped us and we filled up both those and added a third service. And, and uh, we believe God's going to do the same again. But uh, we want to make sure that we're, uh, you know, we, we've got the information to go ahead and, and uh, do it with some wisdom. So uh, if you would go ahead and do that, that would be wonderful. And Kingdom Kids Volunteer, we need, we need 15 volunteers in early childhood. We need eight volunteers in the first through fifth grade. 
And so that's, that's going to be a heavy lift. And that, you know, that's one of the most important elements of the ministry. That's the future of the church. And so we want to make sure that that's covered. And uh, so if you would pray about where, where God would have you jump in, we want to make sure that we're available for the next, the next load of people that God wants to bring in. Remember a, a number of years ago, it was a Saturday night service back when we had Saturday nights. And uh, there was a... Uh, I didn't find out till later that they had to close the nursery down because we didn't have, we, we were at our max. We needed more volunteers in order to bring in more kids, so we had to turn some kids away. And that was absolutely tragic to, be, to have to do that, especially in a particular case. The next morning, I, I remember a woman approaching me. I'd, I'd never met her before, but Frankly, she looked a little disheveled like she hadn't slept a lot the night before. And she said to me, she said, we, they drove from about an hour away. She said, I had my whole family here last night. We've got a little newborn. She said, and they, we, they weren't able to take our baby into the nursery, and so we had to go back home. She said, but I drove back this morning. She said, I'm desperate. I've got a little girl that's got some problems. She said, I don't know if she's demonized or what, but... We're desperate, and you could see it in this woman's face. You could see that she hadn't had much sleep the night before. She said, we came all that way to have our daughter prayed for, and we had to go back home. She said, I returned this morning, and I'm asking you, would you please pray for my daughter? I laid hands on her and just prayed a simple prayer, and two weeks later, she showed up, and I almost didn't recognize her because she looked so different. She was not disheveled. She was very put together that morning, and she gave me a gift of a book by a guy I've met. He, he since went to be with the Lord, and the book was about an open heaven, and she said, this book reminds me of Heartland and what you guys carry. She said, since the, that morning that you prayed for my daughter, she's been well ever since. Something broke over. She's perfectly whole. And although that's a great testimony, especially for that family, it was really a sobering moment for me because can you imagine if that wife, that mother, would have been offended, if that mother would have been so disillusioned that I attended a church and they had to turn us away. They drove an hour for deliverance to be turned away and had to go back home that night with their daughter in the same shape. And what if that mom wasn't hungry enough? What if that mom didn't have the faith to make that drive back the next morning and have her daughter prayed for in proxy? And so we can't let that happen. We've got we've to make room for those who God is going to send us. And so I ask you, listen, God is doing some wonderful things in our midst. There's a lot of great churches around the region, but Heartland's unique. And we're supposed to be unique. If we weren't unique, we might as well close down and join another church. We can't justify the overhead of all this. But there is a unique calling on Heartland, and, and, and hear me out here, I'm not saying that we're better than other churches, but we need to fight for our place in the spirit. There's something unique that Heartland is called to be and carry. And so we need to provide a place for those who need what we have. And so ask the Lord what he would have you do. Now, as God brings in new people, he's going to bring in new workers, and over time, the workload will be spread out over a wider body of people. But right now, it falls to us who are already here. And it's going to take extra work for us in the meantime to make room for those who are coming. One of the things that I've really wrestled with, and, and, and I told the board this and I told our staff this, that you know, there, every, every healthy business has an R&D department, research and development, and the kingdom needs a research and development department. You know, there's something about just trying things, and if it doesn't work, it's back to the drawing board. You never take risks, you never learn. Big wins take great risks, and sometimes you learn by failing. And one thing I, you're thinking, where are you going with that, Pastor? <laughs> okay, I'll, I'll tell you. One thing I've really wrestled with is one of our unique distinctives is that we'll take time in God's presence. We don't rush worship. We don't rush the word. Some of you are rolling your eyes. 
you know. You know, we can be a little long-winded around here. But it's not just because we like to eat up time. It's we want to make time for him. And so one of my real concerns, I'll be honest with you, I've wrestled with this with the Lord, is that we're going to try to squeeze our two-hour service into an hour and a half. And my commitment to the Lord is that if we can't be Heartland in that hour and a half, we're just going to make two two two-hour services. We'll just figure it out some other way. Now, I do believe, I do believe we can do it in an hour and a half. I, I can tell less jokes. You've all heard them anyway. You've all heard them before. I, I remember I had a, 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 somewhat of a mentor in the Lord. He told me one time, he said, Dave, you can preach the same message again and again as long as you tell different jokes and different stories. And I thought, oh no. I preach different messages with the same jokes and the same stories. So I can just tell different or less jokes again and again. But I, th- I think we can do it in an hour and a half. But my, my commitment is we're called to hold the line on who God's called us to be. And we're not going to change who we are. That's our distinctive. And, and again, it doesn't make us better than other churches. But I'm not responsible for other churches. We are responsible to carve out that place in the spirit that's given to Heartland. Our little patch of ground in the promised land. That we're to hold the line on those things. And uh, we're going to do that. Amen? And so... October 22nd, we're going to go to two services. We'll be here at 8.30, and then we'll be here again at yeah, 10.30. Yeah, so, uh, you, you know, fill out that survey and let us know and give us feedback. And uh, we, want to, we, want to, we want to do this the best way we can. And so I'm asking you, please, during this next season, if you just dig in, pitch in, and say, I'm willing to work some extra to make room for others to come in and experience and enjoy what we enjoy. Amen? All right, enough of that. Okay, uh, this morning, I, I, my heart is full. I've got, uh, I've got a number of things. Uh, I've got two series we're working on. Next week, we are, we are going back into communion. Uh, we're going we're gonna to receive communion, and I want to take those two series. I believe God willing, and I believe he is. The two series we've been talking about and merge them together. We've been talking about communion and, and really taking a, a deep dive into the blood of Jesus. What is the, what is the blood? And, uh, and then we've been doing this one on spiritual warfare, and I'm, I'm not off of that yet, okay? We're going we're gonna to keep diving into this thing on spiritual warfare. And I want to deal with uh, principalities and powers. What does that biblically mean? What is that whole concept? And, uh, and how do we deal with those things? How do we engage? How do we wrestle? Paul said we wrestle not with flesh and blood. We do wrestle. We wrestle with principalities and powers. What in the world does that look like? How do we engage these and, and, and uh, unseat these rogue rulers to see breakthrough in a region? What does that mean theologically and experientially? We're going to look at that and and. God willing, we're going to tie those two concepts together. What does communion have to do with that? Because communion, there's an element of communion that engages those powers. And it, it, it uh, well, I almost went there. But we're, so next week we're going to do that, okay? Uh, so we, we haven't gotten off of that. Uh, and then, you know, we've, man, I come off this whirlwind trip two weeks in Indonesia. It was, it was amazing. And then come back to Lou. I mean, I, 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 I. And uh, it was, that was a whirlwind. And so uh, I, sh- I just want to share my heart this morning, okay? Uh, just being with Lou the last couple days uh, and coming off this trip, I want to go back a little bit and in light of where we're going as a church and in light of uh, the last couple weeks I've just been through, I want to just reestablish who we are as Heartland. Okay? If you've listened to Lou Engel any time at all, you recognize that he's a man that really guards the prophetic words in his history. That the word of the Lord over him has defined who he is. That's a powerful thing. We've taught a lot about this over the years. The power of prophecy to establish your identity. I would 
I would dare say that it's, you're really, <laughs> I, I, I won't say it that strong. You are at a great disadvantage in really establishing your identity without the gift of prophecy in your life. Because it's the word of the Lord that defines you. The first session we did, at, we went to a Bible school in Ambon, uh, Indonesia. Indonesia is like 17,000 islands. And uh, so we flew out to this little island and taught at this Bible school and, and I did a conference there. And uh, the first session I did is usually the first session I do in these conferences. And that is the two most important things about you is your theology and your identity. And your identity is based on your theology. I mean, it's something we've hammered here for years. And I stand by that thing. The entrance of sin into the human race was a redefinition of who God is and who man is. The enemy challenged who God really was in the minds of Adam and Eve. And when he defamed the character of God, then he questioned their identity. And he insinuated, you're not good enough, Adam. You're not good enough, Eve. You better do something to make yourselves better. And those two lies, the lie about who God is and his character and his trustworthiness and our identity are the foundation of sin. And if we're gonna undo the effects of sin in the human heart, we've gotta get our theology, who God really is, and our identity, who we really are, established. You put it in a concise way, in Matthew 16, Jesus says to his disciples, who do you say that I am? That is the most important question God will ever ask you. And the most important thing about you is your answer to that question. Your answer to that question will determine the trajectory of your life from now into eternity. Your reward in heaven is dependent upon your answer to that question. Not because God will reward you if you get the right answer, but because you will not be able to carry the calling you are called into without getting the right answer. So who is he? It's the most important question he asks you, and the flip side is, it's the most important question you'll ever ask him. Father, who do you say that I am? Because he has to be the one that defines you. He has to be the one that answers that question for you. It doesn't matter what anybody else thinks about me. Because nobody else knows me like he does. Everybody else has to kind of get through the muddy waters of my past and my idiosyncrasies and, and the residue of, of, that I'm still climbing out of. But he knows what he initially intended me to be. And that's how he relates with me. And the word of the Lord cuts through all of that and defines who we are. And when he calls us who we really are, it does something in us. We begin to step into our identity. And in a very real sense, your journey with Jesus is God repeatedly defining who you are, one little bit at a time. And often he doesn't unload it all at once because it's too much for us. If God were to tell you right away all that you're called to, many of us would have just, we'd melt into a puddle. But he will always tell you enough to really stretch you beyond where you already believe. And so this thing of the prophetic word over our life is essential for us to walk in who we are and to step into who we're called to be. And so it's essential that we keep a prophetic portfolio, a personal prophetic portfolio over what the word of the Lord is over our life and that we remind ourselves. There are times where I go into situations where I'm gonna speak somewhere and I'm feeling like, man, who the heck am I to be here? And so I'll get those words out and I'll just begin to tell myself, this is what God said about me. And I remind myself of the word of the Lord until I just, I, 
I rehearsed that. I bathed myself in those words. I baptized myself in the confidence that comes from those words from the Lord so I can face those things. And I'm not unique. I'm a normal human being. We all need that from time to time, and so we need to keep that prophetic portfolio. Now, what does that have to do with Heartland? There is an individual application of those principles, but there is a corporate application of those principles. We don't define who Heartland is. We don't just, you know, we don't say, okay, what, what, would be real, what would be kind of a cool PR statement so that we can attract people to this place? I want to know what does God say about this house? What is the word of the Lord over this house? I asked the Lord when I first became the pastor of this church. I, I heard this thing on church growth and, you know, you got to find out your demographic, wh- who you're going after. And so I, I went to the Lord and I said, God, okay, Lord, I'm pastoring this church. What is our demographic? Who is our target audience? You know what the Lord told me? I am. He said, for Heartland, I am the target audience of this house. Because if we can get the presence of God in, the people will come. But there is a vertical facing posture to this house that God has called us to. That we've got to be about him. Lord, we want you. And so we've got to, we've got to remind ourselves of the words of the Lord over this house because it's what coalesces and defines us as a people. And as we all become familiar with it, it, it it pulls us into the orbit of God's purposes because there's, there's this thing about the word of the Lord that when the word of the Lord comes to you, there's this simultaneous, it's like when Moses, God says, Moses, Moses at the burning bush, and he starts, Moses, he's coming closer, and then God says, don't approach, don't come any closer, but it's like this tension. Mo, he's calling him, but he's saying, you're, you're, you're a man, you know, you gotta take your shoes off, you're on holy ground, and it's this tension. And there's this thing about the prophetic word where God, something awakens in us, that's who I am. I know you're talking my language. That's what I aspire to. And then there's this argument, that isn't me. I know myself too well. And this tension within us, and it's that tension that begins to work on us and change us to bring us into that place that God's called us to. That's true corporately as well. And when you begin to hear the language of a house and when it's defined in the atmosphere, all of a sudden you walk in that place and there's great churches you can walk into and say, wow, this is an amazing place. These are amazing people. They're just not my peeps. They're brothers, they're sisters. I can't wait to spend eternity with them. I'm just not supposed to spend this season of time with them because they're not about what I'm about. It's not a bad thing. Not everybody's supposed to be us. But these, they're not my peeps, but they're wonderful peeps. And then you go to another church, and you come in, and you say, wow, there's some things about this place I'd change. I don't like the color of the chairs. And sometimes, sometimes the music's too loud. But I'm telling you, these are my peeps. And you find yourself, you're pulled into the orbit of that thing when that prophetic calling is made clear. And the clarity itself becomes the call in to be, you found your people and what you're called to. And it's like it calls to something deep within you. I, I, I've talked to so many of you, and you came here and you said, man, the minute I walked in, I knew this is what I've been looking for. This is the church. These are the people. In spite of our idiosyncrasies. And that's the way it's supposed to work. And so we need to be clear about who we are. So I, I come off this whirlwind trip and thinking, Lord, how, how in the world do we end up in these places? My brother and I were in Indonesia and we're thinking, okay, we ended up in Indonesia because we knew a pastor in Colombia that it's like, how do you end up here? And then he said, yeah, last week I was in Toronto and someone had asked, how'd you end up here in Toronto preaching? He said, well, I met an Egyptian in Brazil who invited me. It's like, I, I, how, how does this stuff work? But it's part of who we're called to be. 
So as I was laying before the Lord after he talked to me about feet this morning, <laughs> I was just praying and I was going to preach on something else and I was just mulling over some of these things and just asking the Lord about the new season we're in and asking the Lord about all that I just went through the last three weeks and thinking, Lord, you know, what What do you have for us in the new season? It's like just bringing me back to these three founding principles. Our calling is this nation, we are a house of prayer. We're not just a church that prays. We are a house of prayer. I know if you've noticed, but you know, compared to a lot of local churches, we have an inordinate amount of <laughs> prayer meetings. And for years we hosted a house of prayer, and then we just decided, you know what, we just need to own this thing. We are the house of prayer. And much of what we pray about is this nation. We're contending for this nation. And the hour itself demands that that thing come to the forefront. That we have got to stand in the gap for this nation. And while I'm at it, you know, when Lou came in, one of the, the reason he came in is he, was, he wanted to call Iowa to a 21-day fast for the primaries. I don't apologize about being political because politics are the way we choose those who will govern us. And if we abdicate that choice by saying, well, we can't address those things in the church because we don't want to offend people. Listen, what we do is we abdicate our voice and the unrighteous will rule. When the wicked rule, the people groan. There's a lot of groaning going on right now. When the righteous rule, the people rejoice. And so we need to make our voice known and we need to pray. So we're starting a fast. The, the fast is starting, uh, the, the, the fast Lou called Iowa to, and, and the reason I'm wording it this way, I'll tell you why. The fast Lou called, called us to was mon starting tomorrow for 21 days, and uh, there's, there's a tent being erected down in southwestern Iowa in Council Bluffs, and uh, they're, they're going to be doing uh, day, daily worship, nightly services, and uh, I'm going to go down a couple times during this 21-day fast. I'm going to start my fast on Wednesday. I'm going to tell you why. I've been gone. I, I lost 10 pounds because I got really sick. And I want to spend some time with my family over the next couple days. I'm going to smoke some ribs and have some food with my family. And then I'm going to start my fast on Wednesday. So that's my disclaimer, okay? So if you happen to run into me at Walmart with some barbecue sauce, you know I wasn't being disingenuous. I'm just I'm starting mine two, day, two days later. But I'm, I'm in. And I feel like I don't have a choice with what's going on in our nation. I'm telling you, it is on our shoulders as fathers and mothers, to cry out for our children. And so we need, I, I, I implore you, ask God what you should do. Some form or fashion, jump into this fast. And let's contend for this nation. And let me just, I'm going to be all over the map today, okay? Let me just pause there. I met a pastor in Indonesia, a tremendous man of God. I, I was I was so moved by this man. I'm going to bring him in. He, he, you're going to, we're going to bring him in, and you'll, you'll meet this man. He's like most Indonesians, just a little fella, but in the spirit, he is a giant. He pioneered his church in South Jakarta in the middle of, uh, I said five mosques. My brother corrected me. He said there's eight mosques right around him. It's a highly concentrated Muslim area. And the Lord told him, I want you to pioneer church. This is some 35, 37 years ago. So he said, I knew that I needed to go to fasting and praying. He started hosting all-night prayer meetings in his house once a week. And in no time at all, he had 100 people every Friday night coming to his house and spending the night crying out to God. And they have built this church on prayer. It's an amazing place, an amazing church. Miracles. This guy, uh, he, it, the, the stories he had of just facing down darkness, 
uh, of the demonic showing up in his room and him challenging darkness and establishing this outpost, this mission sending center in Jakarta was absolutely amazing. I told him it was worth the almost 60 hours sitting upright. I bought one of those pillows, you know, that Velcro, and it snaps, this is a great one, I wanna recommend this. It, it also snaps around your chair, so you kinda of just hang there for 60 hours. Someone said, did you have a little drool canal? That's the only thing this thing was missing, because you're just kinda of suspended there in air for, but I really did sleep pretty well. I think my neck is better too. It kind of straight. I think I'm about two inches taller now. Uh, but it was worth the trip just to sit at this man's feet. And while we were talking, he he told he this this man is a man of tremendous prayer. He's been a man of prayer for decades, of fasting and prayer. And I mean, story after story, he he has built this phenomenal building in the middle of Jakarta, you walk in, it's like a five-star resort. You drive by and it looks like an old warehouse. You walk through the gate and it's amazing. Just miracle after miracle. And he did it through prayer and fasting. And while we're talking, he leaned over the table and he said, I pray for your nation every day. And so as we're talking, I, I uh, admitted I'm a conspiracy theorist. I told him, I said, I believe the last election, I believe there was, there was dishonesty and some of the elections were stolen. And he looked at me and I could tell he was almost, almost, uh, almost like, I'm sorry for your naivety, son. It's kind of the way he said it, but he said, those of us in Indonesia knew it. It was obvious. He said, we've experienced that so many times in our nation. He said, we've, we've overcome that. They've now got a good president. He said, if what was going on in your nation is going on in ours, there'd be rioting in the streets. He, and then he said, you need to rally America into fasting and prayer. He said, or you're gonna lose your nation. He said, but if you could get the church in America rallied in fasting and prayer. He said, I'm telling you, you could have your nation back. And after hearing all these stories from this man, I can't tell you how that affected me because there was an authority on this man that suddenly it was like my eyes were opened in a fresh way that fasting can move heaven, that we can appeal to the Supreme Court of Heaven and turn this thing around. And so I want to encourage you Jump in on this fast. We're praying that God would step in on the primaries and that God's person would be pushed to the forefront. I don't, I don't have a word from the Lord on what that's supposed to look like, but I don't need a word from the Lord to know that we need God to step in. And so I want to encourage you. If, if you've never fasted before, now's the time to learn. Even if it's just one meal a day, just you know, begin to learn to fast. I, I, when I first began to fast, you know, 40 years ago, I thought that going, and I've had people tell me, you know, 21 days without food, that'll kill you. No, it just feels like it will. <laughs> it won't kill you. Matter of fact, it's really healthy for you, unless you got health problems and, you know, you need to see your, your doctor. Uh, but I'm telling you, it's really, it's really healthy. There's a reason your body shuts down. When I was over in Indonesia, I, didn't, I was not hungry for days because I was sick, my body shut down, and my body needed to heal. And uh, so, just jump in on this thing, let's, let's contend, because that's who we are. We are a house of prayer. Okay, so that's the first thing. We are a house of prayer. It's over this house, and we've had prophetic word after prophetic word after prophetic word over this house. Number two. We are an apostolic resource and sending center. Many of you have heard me tell this story, but I want to reiterate it. It would have been back in 2008, uh, Leif Hetland called me and he said, he said, Dave, he said, I, I just, I, I've had this sense that Heartland is in transition from a local church to an apostolic sending center. 
Now at the time, he had hired our women's director and several other people from our congregation to work for his ministry. At one time, about half of his staff were from our church. And so, to be honest, I thought, well, that's his way of saying, thanks for sending me people. I'll be taking more. <laughs> and, uh, that's just a nice way of saying, yeah, you're a sending center. Could you send me a few more people? And that was fine. I mean, yeah, that thrills my heart, man. People to step into their destiny. But I didn't take it with the weight that he said it. It kind of struck me, and I thought, what, you know, apostolic sending center? I, I don't know. About a month later, I went to, uh, no, it was, it was less than that. It was w- within like two weeks, I was in Brazil on a missions trip. And uh, we're lined up on a tile floor for the first night of the trip. We're going into impartation for the team. So then we can go uh, into ministry for the next two weeks. And I'm the last guy to get prayed for him. Boom, I hit the tile floor. There ain't no courtesy drops in Brazil because there's no carpet, man. That's, we're talking marble floors. Poof. And uh, I'm laying there on the dust and uh, Bill Dew is standing over me, and he says this, Dave, Heartland is in transition from a local church to an apostolic resource center. And God had my attention. Because the only difference was sending and resource center. Let every matter be established in the mouth of two or three witnesses. And God had my attention now, like, okay, Lord, what are you saying here? Came back, and we went into a fast, and we had a fire tunnel, and the, 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 the elders prayed for me. I thought I was up here. I, I got hit by the power of God and laid out. My glasses were all crooked. I thought I was over there. Actually, I was over here and, uh, when I got off the floor. And, uh, but as I was laying there, the Lord began to speak to me about what that meant. And there's a regional call on this church, and there's an international call on this church. We are called to send, we're, call, we're called to equip people we're, so that they can be sent, we're called to equip people to be senders, and we're to be a, a resource center for other churches. And so there's all the time, and, and we don't talk about this a lot, but there's churches that reach out to us, we help there's churches we're helping financially at times. There's church pastors. There's churches we'll send teams to help out. We'll send resources and, and uh, training. There's people that come in to be trained. And it's because we are a resource-sending center. And we've got to own that thing. It's our calling. In 2007, the first time Jack Taylor ever came here, Jack came and he preached on the kingdom of heaven. And when he preached on it, it was like somebody gave me a new box to fit my theology in. Up until that time, I had this this smaller box. And I'd been walking with the Lord for a number of decades, and I'd been to Bible school, and I studied, and, and there were things the Lord spoke to me, and I'd put them in my theology box. The problem was, I had some spare parts. I had parts left over. You ever bought something, you put it together because you're a guy, and you don't read the instructions, and when you're done, there's spare parts, and you're thinking, I hope those were, I hope those weren't, weren't needed, yeah. I still have a grill that I put the legs on wrong, and so now rather than wheeling it by the handle, the handle's over here and the wheels are over here and I gotta kinda, cause I didn't read the instructions, but by golly, I put it together. <laughs> Figured it out on my own. Got me a dysfunctional grill. <laughs> and that was my theology. I had, I had parts, there were things the Lord had spoken to me and I knew they were God, but I didn't know where they fit It's like, Lord, they just don't fit within what I understand your purpose is to be. And Jack comes and drops this kingdom message on the house, and he said this. He said, all of the church is in the kingdom, but not all the kingdom is in the church. The church is merely a subsidiary of the kingdom. And I went, he could have went, mic drop, I mean, it, it really, it blew my, and, and so when he left, it's like, okay, there were a lot of things God had spoken to me, and the reason I didn't have a place for him is I tried to fit everything in the church. 
couple weeks later, I'm sitting on the front row and my bald-headed brother was preaching. I was writing feverishly, making notes. I'm sure he was really blessed thinking, wow, Dave's getting a lot out of my message. I have no idea what he was preaching on. (laughs) But God was speaking to me about what Jack had said. (laughs) And this is what the Lord told me as I was sitting on the front row. He said, the church is not the end. It's the means to the end. The kingdom is the end. And then he told me this, and it was a caution. If you make the church, this church, the end, you will inevitably be pulled into catering to people. When we make the church the end all, then we're inevitably pulled into, oh, we've got to build this place and have, we've got to keep everybody happy so we don't lose anybody because we're trying to build a bigger church. And we need to realize, all of us corporately, we are a tool in God's hand to extend the kingdom. And when that happens, what it does is it frees us up as a people to take risks. To risk the temporary for the eternal. And the church is the means to the end. But the real calling is to extend the kingdom. And we've got to keep that in mind as a church. We've got to keep that in mind as a congregation because there's always going to be people coming and going out of this house. I've had people tell me again and again, wow, you know, there's, it seems like a lot of people end up with their own ministries out of this church. Man, they come here and pretty soon they have their own ministry. Or people that have their own ministry are attracted to this church. Why? It's because we're an equipping center and we're willing to give it away. And there's going to be continually people that will end up here, be raised up, start their own thing, be sent out. And if we're, if this is the end, then that's a hard thing. But if it's not the end, if it's the means to the end, that's an exciting thing. That we want to invest in people while they're here on the way to where God's taking them. Because this is a sending center. We want to equip people and invest in them. And so the objective is the extension of the kingdom, both regionally and abroad. And so we're going to invest in other churches. We're going to invest in other ministries, invest in people Remember years ago, we, we had, I think it was a gift we gave to another church in town here. They were in a, in a building program. It was a fascinating thing. There was a church across town that was in a building program. And uh, as a board, we felt like, because we'd been through a building program, I thought, man, we, just, we, we need to give them a gift. And uh, because you know how it is when you're building, it's always more than you think. And so we sent them a check. And there had been attempts at unity in, the, in the, the city among the churches, and it just seemed like we'd come up against something. And that particular pastor, I got a phone call from him. He's on the other side, and I had tried to reach out to him before, and it just didn't work. He's a great guy. I got to know him after this. Wonderful. He's now with the Lord. Amazing man. And uh, he was weeping on the other side, just crying, and couldn't believe that we gave him, I think it was like $5,000, and uh, just weeping. And that guy became the catalyst for a pastor's group that went for years. He, he literally became the catalyst to pull a bunch of pastors in that came out of that gift. It was an amazing thing. But I had another, another ministry leader in town tell me, they said, they said, Dave, you can't do that stuff. That's not good stewardship. You need to use what comes in the house to build the house. You can't be giving that stuff away. You've got you've to build the house. And I'm so grateful that we have a board of elders that doesn't think like that. It's about the kingdom. It's about expanding the purposes of the kingdom. And I'm telling you, yeah. Um, yeah. I really am grateful that we have, have men like that, that that invest in other ministries because there's something about that. You can literally produce unity and uh, you can, <laughs> hear me out here, you, you can almost buy things in the spirit. 
Because where your treasure is, there your heart is also. You can't just buy it with money. Your heart, it, it's because it's an expression of your heart and you can break into things with finances, which is a whole nother, I know I'm going all over today, but I'm telling you, there's something to that. And it, it's true for all of us. It's true for us as individuals and corporately that I'll never forget talking about internationally, the international call in this church. I was telling this pastor about this and uh, the pastor in Indonesia, because I, I believe the word was even connected to Indonesia, and I'm, I'm asking the Lord about this, because frankly, if God's not in it for us to begin to move into that area of Asia and begin to sow, I, I don't want anything to do with it if it's not God. If nothing else, because of the airline flights. That was brutal. But I really, if God's not in it, I don't want to be in it. But if God's in it, man, we're, we're all in. We're, you know, we're, there's, I'm telling you, there's something in the air right now about a deeper surrender. There really is. I could feel it this morning as Ma was leading us. There, there was, there's a deeper surrender that, that God's calling us into. I felt it all weekend. I felt it all the last couple of weeks. There's something, there's an invitation. And with that invitation comes the grace to step through that door of surrender. And the grace is there because there's going to be a greater requirement made of us in this coming season. And it's exciting when the Lord pulls us into these things. So I'm telling this pastor about this experience that we had. Bob Hazlett came through one time. And uh, I had forgotten this until we were in Indonesia. Isai and Natalia, the pastors of Templo Berlin in Medellin, Colombia, we're sitting right over here. They happen to be visiting. And they are the primary ones that we've been going through into Colombia and in, into other movements in Latin America. Isai is the head of missions for all of Colombia for the Assemblies of God. And things just open. God knit our hearts together. And he was here. That, they were here that time when Bob Hazet was here. And Bob is preaching. And all of a sudden he stopped and he said, Dave, he said, I just saw an offering that was received in this house. And he said, you could have used that offering, but you sowed it to the nations. He said, it was a breakthrough offering, and you needed it, but you guys sowed it to the nations. And he said, it was as if David's, when David said, I thirst for the water from the well, and his, his mighty men broke through the enemy lines, got a jug of water to him, and brought, fought their way back through the line, and gave it to David, and David lifted it up, and in his thirst he said, I'm not worthy, to, I'm gonna give this unto the Lord and pour it out before the Lord. And till he said that, I was always like, I'd have been ticked if I would have been one of those mighty men. Because <laughs> I didn't understand the principle. Okay, I'm just admitting he said they poured it out before the Lord. David poured it out before the Lord. He said, you invested it in the nations. And he said, you have become a breakthrough to the nations. It's breakthrough to the nations. And when Bob would give these words, our receptionist at the time used to transcribe all that. And she said, I don't know when it went from Dave to Christopher to, uh, to Isai and Natalia because it was like one long word. And I know, by the way, when I receive prophetic words, the vast majority of the time, it's because I'm, I'm representing the house. And so it was over this house. So we left to Columbia. I believe it was the next week. And that was the trip. Christopher was in a meeting. They, they brought this little boy with crippled feet to him. And Christopher speaks Spanish, so he's pre he didn't need a translator. He was, he was just preaching in Spanish. They brought him this little boy with crippled feet, and Christopher said, I, he didn't even pray for the kid. He just said, in English, breakthrough to the nations. And all of a sudden, the little boy just took off running. And Christopher's like, you know, like, well, was that a big deal? He looks back at the dad, and the dad's wailing only to find out that the kid, there was something wrong with his legs. He would take like one, le one step, then the second step, he'd always fall down. And through just saying those words, there was such power, such authority on that word that there was breakthrough. So being his older brother, I'm thinking, doggone it. If it works for him, I'm trying it. 
I really did, okay? I'm just telling you, it's R&D. So we're, I, I'm, I'm in another church service, and uh, we, healing breaks out, so I'm just praying for people, and this lady comes up, and it was, I, I, was, I was standing on a stage like this, and she came up, and she's trying to lift her arms, and she, you could tell she's having, and so I just said in English, they don't understand what I'm saying, I just said, break through to the nations, and ah, she screams, and she hits the floor, and I thought, I hope that was Jesus, and, and I'm praying, <laughs> So a little while later, she kind of gets up and she starts yelling, doing her arms like this. Come to find out later. I don't remember if it was like 16 years and seven surgeries or seven years and 16 surgeries. It was one or the other. She had had these shoulder issues. She couldn't raise her arms. And I didn't pray for her. I just repeated Bob's word, breakthrough to the nations. So, I mean, there was heat on this word, okay? So we get home, we tell those testimonies. There was a newborn Christian sitting in the service that morning. She had only been walking with the Lord a couple months. And she, so she had a little niece or nephew, I don't remember which it was, in the ICU in Des Moines. So hearing that, she thought, well, I guess that's the way it's done. So after church, she gets out, gets out of church, drives to the ICU, asks to go in, lays her little hands through those little mitts on the baby, and says, break through to the nations. Wouldn't you, wouldn't you know it? By the time she left that day, all the wires were out, and the baby was getting out of ICU. There's power in the prophetic word. There was such heat on that word. And there's this partnership for the nations. There's a word over this house that we are to carry breakthrough to the nations. We are an equipping center that's to take it to the nations. Man, I'm, I'm, so, I'm, I'm so grateful for Ed Hall that takes teams out. He's a godsend. <laughs> We need men like him. We need others. You know, Faith just took a team, and, and we need other teams to be taking teams to the nations. We need to up this thing because what get, what's in the house will increase as we give it away. The, 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 the river got deeper the farther it was from the throne. You know that? And so we're called to be a sending center and equipping center. And we're called to be a regional center. And we're gonna hold the line on those things. I believe that there's an increase coming. I believe that there is a move of God coming to the United States of America, something we've been contending for for a long time. And we're gonna hold the line on what God's called us to be, that we are a house of his presence where people can come and encounter him and experience him and be equipped to give it away. Amen? Thanks for listening to our podcast. If you'd like to help more people hear this message, you can get the word out by subscribing and sharing it on social media. If you'd like to support the ministries of Heartland Church, you can do so at heartlandchurchonline.com give.